When that shoebox is open, they're overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. Oh, look at how much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoeboxes. They are so happy. You can hear the laughter. You can hear the cheer. That excitement, it goes and goes and goes. Right now, we're in Ukraine, and today we've given out the 200 millionth shoebox to a little girl here, so it's a lot of fun. It's a privilege for us to be able to come and to help the people as much as we can. Every box is important, because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about His Son, Jesus Christ. The way that one gift box can give, they really experience the love of Jesus. Christmas show, we celebrate something as simple as the shoebox because God uses it to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We got a full box on this This is such an amazing time. We're so happy to be here. This shoebox gift will impact a child's life all year round. We never dreamed we'd have an army of men and women who would come to make this program happen. This is what it's all about, telling others about Jesus. These shoeboxes go into 120 different countries where pastors and missionaries are going to use them to bring the gospel to kids. So you may think it's just a simple gift at Christmas time, but it's the gift of the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. When that shoebox leaves that distribution center and it goes around the world, that's not just one person. That's the body of Christ delivering the good news of the gospel. They go by plane, they go by ship, they go by riverboat, they go by camels, they go by motorbikes. And these boxes go to some of the most remote areas of the world. And every box counts. After receiving shoeboxes, children are invited to participate in the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. These children have just completed 12 lessons in the greatest journey. I believe that discipleship is the key and they are now followers of Christ. They will tell their friends about Jesus. My name is Gladys and I am nine years old. My friend Kemi told me I needed to go with her to church. I wanted to teach her about the word of God. And when she came to my church, she received a gift box. For a long time, I asked my mom for a blanket. When I opened my shoebox, I found a blanket in it. I came home, I showed it to my mom, and she said it was great. I told her about Jesus. Now me, my mom, my grandma, and Kemi go to church together. I am certain of one thing, God, is my savior. Every box counts. Every box touches a child. It's like a snowflake. There's not one shoebox that is the same. And we are reaching millions of children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of the parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. We are seeing churches being planted, and more and more churches are being built. We will do whatever it takes to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? The joy, the smiles, it changes lives.
Every year we see tens of thousands of children discipled. And we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes. Thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes. Good morning, Real Life Christian Church. It's so good to see all of you this morning. If you will go ahead and stand up, we'll go ahead and pray for our worship service. Dear God, thank you for this wonderful morning that you've given us, that we can come into your house and lift your name in praise. Just be with us this week as we are here for you, and just watch over everything as things are happening in this community, and just thank you for letting that happen. As you sent your son down, he taught us how to pray to you, and we're going to recite that prayer this morning. Our God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the kingdom, and the glory, forever. One, two, intro, two, three, four. First one. 
One, two, intro, two, three, four. Drums in. Verse one. Two. 
we move into our time in communion, I want to take a second and read to you uh, one of the Psalms, Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver them. Although it's not there in the English, in the note there's a little footnote there. Going on with verse 3, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Verse 1, the most important one. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. And then there's that little footnote. It's that small little footnote that I want to take a second and talk about today. Um, Some of you may know what that is. Again, in English, there's not really a translation for it, but in the Hebrew, it's the word selah. So if we look up what that means, it's a Hebrew word of unknown meaning at the end of verses in Psalm. It may be a music selection. It's interpreted as a blessing. If we look up another version, selah is a Hebrew word referring to a voluntary and intentional call. Selah is a voluntary and intentional call for reflection. Part of the reason that's important is because in the psalm that I just read, there's a very obvious change in the approach and the tone of how the psalm goes after each Selah. Let me go back and read it again and we'll see what what this means. So the first part, first two verses are focused mainly on the foes coming against me. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver them. Selah. Next verse is focused on not fearing. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mouth. I will lay down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. And then he goes even a step further. And he asks the Lord again, and he answers him from his holy mountain. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. As we go into this time of communion, the challenge for all of us is to say that. To pause for a time of reflection. What is it that right now we're focused on? And ask, 
so much for the gift, for the ability that you give us because of the death of your son on the cross as the high covenant priest. Lord, as we take this communion, bless these elements that you have given us and help us to be Traditionally, we would pass around the plate. Uh, we, of course, don't do that anymore, but want to remind you that there are a number of different ways that you take that that God has given us as a treasure and be able to give back so that we can use that and that God can use that to multiply the work that he's done for this place in the community. So there's boxes in the foyer where you can Take a second. Thank God for other people that carry the cross. Lord, thank you so much for the very breath we take, the very ability to wake up. Thank you for all the gifts that you give us. Please open our hearts as we take a, a second to remember that. Good morning. You all, I know you're not asleep. The 8.30 service might have been asleep. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome. This is, it's, it's good to be back. You know, last week, Leslie and I and Jacob, we went to Montana and Wyoming and, and got to go see Yellowstone and the majesty of the Grand Tetons. It was, it was quite amazing. But now I need a vacation to get over my vacation. You know, 
So we're just a little tired and we're, we're moving along and, and enjoying life. And, and things are exciting. When I get back here, like at 8.30, we baptized a young man. It was a good, it was a good Sunday morning. Good way to start the, the, the after vacation. And so we're going to continue in this, this real life with a real commitment today. And I'm going to read right out of my Bible, out of Mark 11. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. If you just want to listen, you can. But I want to start with Mark 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, the people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they drew their, threw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, that's the triumphal entry. You all know that, and we usually talk about it just before Easter. And then for some reason, we just forget about it till the next year about Easter. So we're going to talk about it today in the, in the, in the sense of commitment. And I, I grew up in a little bit of different time. Do you remember when they, people just smoked wherever they wanted to? Cigarette. I grew up on a tobacco farm. You know, I worked in a tobacco patch all my life, and I was chewing, chewing tobacco at, you know, eight, nine years old. So tobacco was just part of life. I mean, that's how, you know, we had Christmas. It's because we grew tobacco. Well, at one they smoked in the hospitals and on airplanes. Yeah, and there was a preacher that was riding on a plane filled with people and cigarette smoke. And the preacher knew he was going to have to take a bath and send his clothes to the cleaners because he felt like he'd been charbroiled, like at Burger King. And suddenly he turned to the woman who was sitting beside him smoking her cigarette and said, Would you like to chew my gum for a while? Well, the lady was insulted. So what in the world do you mean? Well, the preacher just calmly and quietly said, I've been smoking your secondhand smoke ever since we left the city. I thought you might want my secondhand gum. You know, when I was growing up, I'd probably had enough nicotine by the time I was age five to be addicted because of secondhand smoke. And this lady and her habit of smoking and, and everybody else in smoke, they had an, an attitude of indifference towards what other people felt. It was an attitude of indifference. They were indifferent to those around them. You know, the people they don't know and they don't care. And they don't know who they are, and they don't care who they are. They just know they like their cigarettes. You know, and we see this all the time. Not in cigarettes so much anymore, but in people's negative attitudes. 
Those people who let their negativity just fall out of their mouth. You know who I'm talking about? Don't go to pointing fingers. But say we have an event like Christmas Under the Stars where we're presenting our church and more importantly Jesus to, to well over a thousand people. It was a tremendous success. Tremendous. And, and there's always somebody, always somebody who's got something negative to say about it. You know, they say, well, that costs too much money. Or it's too much to ask people to sacrifice their, their effort to put all that together. I mean, really, people say that. And that indifference falls in and affects those who have put in the effort and put in the money to feel the blessing they had, blessing people in the community in the name of Jesus. It's almost like they're sitting around a fire and that person comes up and throws a wet blanket on them. You know, they're sitting there all warm and fuzzy. You know that feeling? And then if somebody comes in there with that negative, you might as well just douse them with ice water because you're taking that that good feeling, that, that blessing of Jesus and, and trying to extinguish it. Indifference is bad. It's a bad trait. And it's if Scripture teaches us anything at all about life, it teaches us we're supposed to be considerate about those people around us. At home, you better be considerate at home or you can sleep on the couch. At work, you better be considered at work or you'll be looking for a job. At play, out in public. I mean, people are going to video you now, everything you do. Besides, Romans 12.10, Paul said, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. But we're not quick to do that, are we? We're just not quick to do that. Because who's the first person we think of? Just go ahead and say it, I, me, me. The first person we think about is ourselves. And we shouldn't be that way. Indifference is bad when it's aimed at people. But it's even worse when it's aimed at God. Our text today dealt with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And the word triumphal entry indicates a good response to Jesus. Well, they had the correct response to Jesus. But it wasn't always that way, was it? Just a few days later, those people turned their back on Jesus. And all too often, we approach God with the same attitude that we have about the rest of our life, though. The way you live your life, I had a great coach in, in football in high school. He always told us, he said, you, you play like you practice. If you practice hard and you have fun, then you're going to play hard and you're going to have fun. But our focus had to be on what was at hand. And we could have fun with it and, and play hard. But all too often, we're like the rest of our lives, we go at it with a real casual attitude. And a casual attitude gives you casual response, doesn't it? And results. Dr. Margaret Mead distinguished anthropologist and author, made a very inter interesting observation 
at an address she, she was given some time ago. She pointed out that a, a long time it was the universal custom to say on parting the words goodbye, which in short means God be with you. Well, today, it's much more common to simply say, take it easy. Isn't it? I mean, they wrote a song about it. Y'all know that one? We're not going to sing it, because if I go to singing, y'all are leaving. But many people, though, have a take it easy attitude about a lot of things in life. Don't take it seriously. Take it easy. But this is also the attitude that the casual attitude that many people have towards God, towards Jesus, and towards the church. People didn't always respond positively to Jesus, did they? To his life, to his ministry, to his love. Matter of fact, John, check out the verse number of this. Well, then, then read what it says. From this time, many of his disciples or his followers turned back and no longer followed him. That's very appropriate, isn't it? Many of, many of the people who, who were following him turned their backs. Some of these followers, these disciples, stopped following Jesus because they didn't like or, or they, they didn't want to receive his teaching. It's easy to have an indifferent or casual attitude when you don't like what's being said. Because I see some of you tune out. I can still see you from up here, even with these lights on. You know that. You know, it's kind of like this young preacher that was thrilled at the congregation. You know, he had his first congregation. He preached his first sermon. And then the next Sunday, he preached the same sermon again. And then the third Sunday, he preached it again. And finally, one of the elders was starting to get really, really concerned. And he went to this young minister and he said, That's a great sermon that you've been preaching, but don't you have another sermon you could preach? And the preacher just looked at him and said, I've got quite a few sermons. As soon as you start doing something with the one I've preached, I'll teach, preach you another one. Now, I'm going to be real transparent. Don't you like when I do that? sermons as interesting and as clear as possible easy to understand so that you understand what it is God wants you to learn from this scripture but even in my sermons I want to bless and benefit people not blister them or bust them up or beat them up I want to help people I want people to grow closer in their relationship with Jesus and in my sermons, there are things that I present for you to do, to respond to. And I've noticed that many times, our response is not overwhelming. Boy, you could hear a pin drop. But all too often, it's, oh well, it's casual. It's take it easy, preacher. Take it easy. Calm down, cool it, we'll do it if we want to. Or we but that's the wrong attitude to have towards the Lord and His Word, towards the presentation of the Scripture. Too many Christians put God and His church second or third in their list of priorities. 
I can't believe how people treat the building here. Our members. You know, we had our congregational meeting, and we were talking about the cleanliness of our building. And Mark Andrew, our treasurer, said it the best. He said, you know who makes the biggest mess? Not outside groups. We do. And we leave the biggest mess. We tear up more stuff than any outside group ever would. And it's true. You see, people come in and they have group meetings and they make coffee and they leave, leave a mess. And I'm not even going to begin to talk about what we find in the bathrooms. And, and I think to myself, if these people live like this in their houses, I'm not coming to visit. Or maybe I need to come visit and see what, how you live before I eat the potluck, right? Yeah, and start putting sticky notes on certain dishes when they come in, you know. We should treat our church and our relationship with God like we would our home and our family. You know, Jesus said this, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. You know, I say, come on in, Lord. Make yourself at home. You can have my recliner if you want it. I'll sit here before you. But let's get real here for just a minute. A casual attitude is not kosher. It's not condoned in Scripture, nor by the Savior. Apathy is not a spiritual gift. You're aware of that, right? But most of the people who claim to be followers of Jesus are more along for the ride and than, than get their tennis shoes on and run alongside their Savior. They want somebody to carry them, somebody to, to do all the work. And they want to say they belong. They show their true colors. You know, a lot of people who, who claim to be followers of Jesus are good at going to church 2.2 times a month. But when they're asked to be committed to the church with their time, talents, and money, they show those true colors by vocally complaining or they disappear for a few months and come back. They're not committed to anything but their self and their agenda. in your relationship with Jesus for your own agenda nobody wants to answer that one do you you see instead of a casual attitude that says whatever or how dare you ask me to do this here at Real Life Christian Church we should all have a real commitment to action in the name of Jesus we should be committed to action action things don't happen sitting still there are very few rare souls committed to their action or to a cause or a person I wish that people would be as committed to Jesus as they are the rest of the things we see in the news every week don't you it's no secret I'm not a fan of alcohol now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that if you have a drink of alcohol, you're going to hell. I'm, that's not me. You're not a sin, but drunkenness is. Drunkenness is a sin. And when I, by saying that, I'm, I'm going to tell you about this, this story. 
of a, of a group of Christian ladies way back in 1873. Do some of you remember that? It was a group of women in Hillsboro, Ohio that met and prayed and then read the 146th Psalm. And then they prayed and pleaded with saloon keepers to give up their business. And the church bells were rang simultaneously with the crusade of prayer and persuasion. And on the, on the second day, one saloon keeper, he gave in on day two. And gave his entire stock of alcohol to the women saying, do as you please with it. And at the end of eight days, every one of the 11 saloons in town closed. Eleven. Now, the alcohol in Cincinnati was not happy. And they offered $5,000 in the 1870s to, to break this woman's meeting up. And only one guy was courageous enough to try to do so. And in four days, he threw his hands up and surrendered to the women. Now, this crusade of prayer and persuasion led to the formation in 1874 of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. And what I, I call those women did, it was committed to action. They, they saw something and they committed to it. They were committed to their cause and they acted strongly on their commitment. We need more people like that in our church. People committed to make a difference for Jesus in their community. I once had a staff that was more interested in intending protests for political working for the Lord. And I can honestly say there's no wonder that God didn't bless their ministries. If they'd been as committed to ministering in God's name as they were to the social justice movement of the day, they could have made a real difference here in the county. But instead, they were more interested in an agenda. They weren't lazy. But their focus was not on the cross, but rather their opinion and their own agenda. We see too often tunnel vision. And in the end, we get a clear vision of, of what we're headed to, but it's not always the cross, is it? We know where we want to go and what it's going to take us to get us there, but, but we fail to take the time to see if what we're striving for is in line with the Savior. The one we claim to be following. Is what you're, what you're pursuing, what you're passionate about, does it lead you to the cross? Or does it lead you away? Because there's two different destinations. You see, do our plans line up with what his word says is important? I mean, Psalms 119 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Either we live by his word or we don't. Either, either this is our guide or it's not. Right? Either this is what we live by or we don't. You can't be a follower of Jesus and go in another path. You have to follow him. And that path is found in here. Not in here, not in emotion, not in negativity, not in casual attitude, but in truth, truth. Every action we take through the lens of scripture, does it glorify God? Is it for our own selfish 
pat on the back. Who did we do this for? Did we do it for me or did we do it for God? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy ourselves. I mean, I just went to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone. But when it comes to our things that we take action for or against, then we should consider our motives. There was a preacher. He was in the baptistry with a railroad engineer. And the, and the preacher was ready to proceed with the, the baptism. And the engineer said, stop. I forgot something. I want to return to the dressing room and get my billfold and let you baptize it with me. That's committed action, and you know why? That man recognized the importance of surrendering his whole life to the Lord, including his finances. Generally, if you can get a person to surrender their finances to the Lord, you've got his whole heart and his whole life. You know how you can tell what's important to you? Look at your bank statement. What do you spend your money on? And do those things glorify God? That's a hard question to ask. You know how many times I've had people come to me and, and they can't pay their rent or they, they can't pay their, their electric bill or, or their water bill and, and I look at them and I say, well, Let's look and see where you're spending your money. And I look, and as we look, we find out that they're spending their money on tobacco and alcohol and lots of other things that they don't really have. And the, the amount that they're spending would cover that bill. And the first thing they do when I look in there is say, hey, you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm trying to help you see clearly where your money's going. Mine goes to the food. I'm not, I'm just going to tell you. I spend the majority of money that I could be spending on other things, I spend it on food. Going out to eat. And when I see that I'm doing that too much, I choose to eat at home more. But I have to look at that every once in a while. Money is the mover in most people's lives. You know that? It moves them from one direction to the other. And toward the Lord in appreciation or away from the Lord in selfishness, you have to choose. Back in Mark 11, Jesus said to his disciples, Go to the village and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there. Untie it and bring it here. And they went and found the colt outside in the street. You see, what Jesus commanded or asked of his disciples to do was very simple, wasn't it? He didn't ask them something hard, but they did what he said. Sometimes it's the so-called simple stuff that we fail to do. Simple to understand, but difficult to do. In John 13, Jesus said this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Demonstrating love sounds simple, doesn't it? Sounds simple, but sometimes it's hard. People, sometimes, some of you all are hard to love. Some of them are elbowing their spouses and, you know, 
but it's sometimes people are hard to love, especially when we think in terms of loving people like Jesus loved them. There was an experienced surgeon, and he was addressing a, a young intern who was assisting him in his surgery, and he said, young man, who do you consider the most important person in this room? Well, the intern first started to say, well, it's you. You're the surgeon. And he thought, well, wait a minute. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't want me to, to name him. So he thought about it a minute, and then he cleverly thought he had the response. He said, well, it's the nurses as they assist you in this very delicate procedure. And the surgeon looked at him and said, you're not right. It's the patient is the most important person in this room. You see, one of the major things that Jesus has been trying to teach us in life is that the most important, the hurting people in this world are the most important. That we should love them as he loved them and not be casual about it. We should be committed to them with loving actions. That's the reason we do the things we do here. That's the reason we have a food pantry and a clothing closet. The reason we do the events that we do is so that people can see love through it. So they can feel love. Last year at Trunk or Treat, we had people lined up from this door to the woods from the community. And as they came through here, they were thankful that we were willing to offer their kids a safe place to come get candy and we did it in the name of Jesus what a blessing how can you find anything negative to say about it it was a lot of work I mean we had because it was raining we tore this thing up chairs stacked everywhere but we made it work the same thing's true of our Christmas event we had people come and getting hamburgers and hot dogs, and they couldn't believe that we were giving them a hamburger or a hot dog. They were trying to give me money. Why didn't I take it? <laughs> but they just couldn't believe that we would do that, that, that this, this church cared enough about the community to give them something. You see... We can't be casual. We've got to be committed to it. Which characterizes your life for Christ? You know, when it comes to church members, you can be divided into to three classes. The wishbones, the jawbones, and the backbone. The wishbones are always wishing in hope their church will somehow grow, but without any help from them. The jawbones talk a lot, but they do very little. And the backbones do most of the work. So the real question is, casual or committed? How do you characterize your life? Because it's one or the other. You're either committed or you're not. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your love and your mercy. And we're so thankful, Lord, for, for Jesus and his commitment to our souls and Lord I pray that today as we consider our level of commitment 
that we realize it first starts with a commitment to that son, your son, who was willing to give his all in hopes that we, that we might be thankful enough, we might Help us to put ourselves out of the way so that the blood of Jesus may work through us and so that it may shine into this cold, dark world and they may see Jesus in everything that we do. And I pray it in his name. Amen. Now this is the invitation time where you choose your commitments. You choose whether you want to be a follower of Jesus or not. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can come forward, confess Him as Lord, and we'll baptize you right now, just like we did Johnny this morning. But if you've already done that, but you find your commitment not where you think it should be, because if there's anything I've learned is that over time, our zeal fades. And we should be just as zealous for the Lord today as we were the day we first gave our life to Him. Because that same blood that saved you that day is keeping you today. But you have to choose. So if you need to change your level of commitment and step it up, then you can come forward or you can stay in your seat, whatever you need to do. But today, Lord, I, I haven't been committed like I should. But today I will. Today, I choose to follow you, not my own path. That's the great thing of our Savior, isn't it? That no matter how far we walk off, the minute you turn around, he's standing there with open arms. He's standing there just waiting on you to turn around. It's not a long, hard journey back. It's just turning back. Just give it to Jesus. We've all got lots of decisions to make. Things and hurts. And, and here at Real Life Christian Church, we want, we want to help the hurting. And if you're hurting, this may be your answer. sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let the rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal so lay down your burden 
church and we talked about it he's a baptized believer he's actually an ordained minister but he wants to join our church and and we're going to get him let him do that today I think don't you yeah he's too big for me to tell him no <laughs> so I want you to repeat after me I believe I believe Jesus is the Christ Jesus is the Christ son of the living God son of the living God amen you are our member yeah We're gonna we're gonna have announcements now. I'm gonna move over to the side and let Philip have it. Come on. Well, good morning. We have a um, number of announcements today. First one is we are doing a blood drive October seventh from nine to two. Um, If you have never given blood, there's all kinds of information about commonly asked questions on redcrossblood.org. Um, you can also go and ask Roxanne if, should you have any questions. Roxanne's raising her hand over here because she doesn't know who Roxanne is. When you do go to the website to make an appointment, make sure you enter the sponsor code ROCC for uh, Hills of Real Life Christian Church and uh, schedule an appointment. Just so you guys know, going into the holiday season, there is a massive, massive need for blood to find out what's going on with your body. So um, anybody, even if you have even just slightly considered it, and also I don't know if you guys are aware, but we actually have a couple of members of this church that are actively needing blood right now. So take, take this very seriously. Take the time to pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will move on that. The out is trunk or tree. I know Kirby already talked a little bit about it. I was completely floored last year with how many people were here. We literally had, well, we literally had folks all the way to the road and then all the way past, lined up all the way past the woods. I mean, it was crazy. They were parking, yeah, all the way at the racetrack with the Walmart. So this is an awesome, awesome, awesome opportunity for us to be able to 
um, minister to people and to be able to give back to the community. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um, first and foremost, we need people to sign up for cards. Um, and if you are a little bit older and don't want to stand for the whole time, come volunteer your car and partner with a team and get them to help you check it. There's lots of different ways around it, but we need we need people to come, and especially candy bars. Did I mention there was over a thousand people that came through here? That takes a lot of people. So if you go to the grocery store, pick up an extra bag. There's boxes um, in the lobby. I think there's a box out here. So if you guys can take a second and um, drop that off, and uh, we definitely appreciate it because it's just an awesome, awesome outreach that we get to do. Switch. Okay. So the um, last one that I wanted to remind you of is this month is Minister Appreciation Month. I don't know if you guys know, but there are a lot of times that these, these guys are taking calls at 'm glad you were here hey let's go be the church it doesn't do any good to come in here if we don't go out and show the world Jesus what really matters is what happens when the last amen is said y'all go tell everybody about real life Christian church I know our sign still says Woodstock Christian Church but that's changing this week it's on the truck on its way here and it'll say real life Christian Church up there next weekend I hope all right, thanks for coming out. And if you need me, I'll be up here for a little while afterwards. All right, Kenny, will you dismiss us? Please bow your heads. Dear God, thank you so much for all of the wonderful things happening in our community. Thank you for letting us be a place that is continuously growing your kingdom. 
And please just watch over us as we go out and spread your word this week. Thank you for everything you do for us. In your name, amen.